I want you to take your Bible. If you've got it, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. Glad you're here tonight. We're going to talk tonight about perfection. I want to be perfect. Is anybody here perfect? Do you expect to be? All right, I got a chance. I'm glad. Good thing you're here tonight. I want to talk to you about perfection tonight. I want to be perfect. And uh, I want you to look. I just want you to look in the scriptures tonight, and I want you to see. This may be new to some of you, but I want you to look with me in the scriptures tonight. I, I, we're going to look at several, and I want you. To, I want you to hear. I want you to hear King Jesus say one thing to your heart tonight. You got to hear this with your heart, because I think I hear Christians talk, and I realize they've been lied to, and they believe this junk. But the Word of God is the truth that sets us. So we're going to get free from something tonight, because I want this word to get down in your heart. I, love, I say this verse all the time. I just walk around saying it all. You ever met people just talk to themselves? That's me. And I, I say this verse to myself all the time. Psalm 138, verse 8 says this. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Let's say that together. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Okay, you can't do it like that. You, you got to, uh, we, need, we need some oomph. You know what oomph is? It's another word for faith. Say this with me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Do you believe it? Amen. Well, can you see it written right there? Yeah. Say, so Brother Ryan, what does it mean? <laughs> it means what it says. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Right. Now, we talk about the work of his hands. We think of creation, the beauty of outdoors. This is not that. We looked at that last week. This is talking about you. We saw last week in Psalm 139 where you are the work of his hands. He will not stop working on what he started in you. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. All right. I want to build a little bit of a case from scripture. Uh, well, let me, let me say this first. All right. Is anybody here saved? Okay. All right. How many of you saved yourselves? Guess what we call people that saved themselves? You're a preacher. Well, lost. Yeah, we call you lost. If you saved yourself, you're lost. Who saved you? We say Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So if you're saved, he did it. All right. All right I got saved. Young man, some of you got saved. You was young. All right. I got saved and I knew now that I'm a Christian, I, I got to have a, I got to change my life a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Do we still believe that? Yeah. I had to change mine a lot. Some of you were close to perfect, but you still needed saving. But you know, when I got saved, then all of a sudden I had to, uh, there had to, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came in. I had to get saved. And I, I had to, then I saw that there was a standard and the standard was not Baptist nor Methodist. The standard is the man himself. And so I, 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 here I am, I'm saved and I'm thoroughly saved. I, if I die, I go straight to glory. But when I got saved, I was not perfected yet. Can anybody bear witness that the day you got saved, it wasn't done? The technical name for salvation in the Bible is justification. It's when Almighty does something and you are justified. Uh, okay, but the, the term for like after I get saved, when I start straightening up, becoming like Jesus and growing in my faith, growing and becoming a, a better, better Christian, Grandma used to say, that term is called not justification, but sanctification. It is the process that starts on the day I meet Jesus all the way till I see him in glory. All right, the term is sanctification. Another word for that term is the word perfection. Perfection. And on the day I got saved, he began to perfect me. The Lord will perfect me. I know until this is what I'm fixing to say. Here's where we divide the crowd right here. Um, religion says this, Jesus saves. Amen. Only Jesus can save. How dare, don't dare think you can save yourself. But after Jesus saves you, then you have got to start living a better life. That's religion. Listen, religion boils this sanctification thing down to self-effort. Yeah. Comes back to self-effort. I want you to read that psalm again. Psalm one, read it again. Psalm 138 verse 8 says, what does it say? Does it say Brian will perfect himself? Is that what it says? What does it say? The Lord will perfect me. Let me tell you something, religion and fundamentalism and all this mess gets in our head that 
I, I have got to live a better life. No, you don't. The Bible teaches it's not by self-effort. It is by faith. It's by faith. And you, you will never be more frustrated than when you are, listen to this word, trying to be a better Christian. You'll frustrate the H out of yourself. H stands for hippie-jibbies. You'll frustrate it out of yourself. There's nothing more aggravating. Matter of fact, if you try to live a better life, you will actually go in the opposite direction. I can show you in the Bible, the law stirs the passion of sin. You say, I ain't going to cuss no more. You'd be done cussing the mayor out by dark. You cannot sanctify yourself any more than you can justify yourself. This is a wonderful revelation. And I want us to see that in Scripture tonight. Turn with me. Let's look at one more. I want you to turn. Well, no, we'll look at a couple more. Hebrews 12. I want to build this case because I want to completely change the way you think. Have you ever heard of the word condemnation? Have you ever heard of the word condemnation? Has anybody here ever felt condemned? Bad about something you did. Bad about the way you live. Bad because you're not growing at the speed you ought to grow. That's called condemnation. Condemnation is the barometer of self-effort. If you ever feel condemned, it's proof that you're trying to straighten yourself out. Condemnation is the litmus test of a person who's caught up in religion and legalism and has no faith in Jesus for what he said he'd do. I love, I almost said I love this passage. I'm not going to say it anymore. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, Hebrews 12, 1. Since we're surrounded by so great a crowd of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easy boogers us up and snares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Jesus saved you and he's put a life in front of you. And man, there's great stuff in that life. And, but do you see two things in there that keep tripping us up on, in our lives? What are the two things? The weight and the sin. Now, weights are not a sin, but they'll still burger you up. If Jesus has called me to something great and I accept second best, that, that's not a sin, but it's a weight. I used to run track. I held the half mile record for the city of Charlotte High School at one time. And uh, we, we run down to your skimpy little old clothes, little tiny little shoes so you could fly. Well, you didn't try to run around there carrying with your gym bag on your back. That, that's slow. You sure didn't run around there with a safe in your arms. Do you see the picture? Get that junk out of the way so you can get the best. What, what is the, somebody think with me. What is the goal in running a race? To, I right, listen to me. This Bible says in 1 Corinthians, run to win. I meet a lot of people that are running to run. Don't run to run, run to win. When I ran track, there was folks on the track, they knew they couldn't win, and I noticed they're just running to run, and they need to get out of the way. <laughs> but the Bible said, let's, let's get everything Jesus saw. Let's run the race. Let's get everything. Now watch these words right here, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, and it says two things about Jesus. The author, what does author mean? He started it. He wrote the story. I, I never found Jesus till he wasn't lost. Jesus found me. He's the author of my faith. What else does it say he is in there? The finisher. I see the word finisher right there. It's the word, uh, to, uh, it's an off branch of the word telestai or telestoi. Anybody ever heard that word telestoi anywhere in the Bible? I think my buddy Jay Dawson's got tattooed on his arm. Have you ever heard this? To telestai. Jesus on the cross right before he died, he said to telestai, which means... It's done. It is finished. And that's that same word right there. Jesus is the author and tastelethoi to telestai. Of my, Jesus is the one who finished this thing for me. Jesus started it, and he's the? Finisher. Right, another, maybe your Bible has this in the spine if you've got to study Bible. That word finisher has a note. It'll point to a word. He is the perfecter of my faith. So Jesus started it. I was taught as, my, as a young man, I was taught Jesus started it. Now you've got to finish it. Jesus started it. Now, you've you got to do good because Jesus has forgiven you. You've got to do right. That makes me the finisher. That makes me the perfecter. The Bible doesn't teach that. Who is the author of my faith and the finisher? How many of you believe God wants you to live discouraged? Can you prove it? Well, I'm fixing to help you. Let's read a little bit further here. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, which is you, endured the cross, despised the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Get your eyes on Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Can you see by verse 3, your heavenly Father doesn't want you discouraged. 
What else does he not want you? Weary. He didn't want you sucking eggs. That's a Greek word for sucking eggs. He didn't want you dragging along and weary and worn out and singing just a few more weary days. Why would he put that in there if he didn't want you to be like that? Isn't there a secret in there somewhere? What do you see over and over in those three verses? Jesus. Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus. Look at Jesus. He started it. He'll finish it. Don't ever get away from Jesus. So what did you see in that passage, particularly in verse 2? Jesus is the perfecter, the finisher, the tetelestai of our faith. He's the one that's got to finish it. Let's look at one, let's look at one more before we look at one more. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to stop by Philippians on the way to uh, Romans. Sort of like stopping by the ice cream place on the way home. Philippians. I want you to come out here tonight with being confident about something. I want, you got to eat this down in your heart. I want you to come out here thinking Philippians 1.6 tonight. I want you to be, I want you to know that you, you know what, you know what revelation is? It's when you know that you know down in your knower. That's the proper term for it. It means your heart has seen it, not just your intellect. Philippians chapter one, verse six says this, being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you. Is anybody here that Jesus started a good work in? How many of you, Jesus saved you? What does he call it? When Jesus drew you to himself and saved you, what does he call that right there? He who began a, he calls you a good work. What he's doing in your life is a good work. He who began a good work in you, watch these words, will be faithful to do what? Complete it to tell a story. It's that word again. Perfect it. Complete it. He'll bring it to pass. You say, looks to me like Jesus has to do it all. Now we're getting it. Now we're getting it. That makes him the author and the finisher. He who began will finish it. And I want, I want you to be confident. I don't want you to go through a rough patch and say, well, God's mad at me. That's not confidence. I don't want you to make a mistake and say I'm in trouble. That's not confidence. On your worst day, I want you to say, he will pick me up and he will finish this. Amen. That's confidence. I want you to have confidence. I know, I know everybody in here is probably confident in Jesus as the author. Jesus saves. But I want you to be confident that Jesus finishes what he started in me and in you. I want you to, you, you can have great confidence when you get this way down inside of your heart. All right, there's a process. Let's look at the process. Turn with me to Romans chapter eight. This is where we're going to camp. I want you to see those verses. Um, if you're one of those people that you've ever been a little nervous about, I'm not as good a Christian as I ought to be, that's the law over you. And you're condemned under it. You need to take these verses. Psalm 138, 8, Romans 12, 1 and 2, Philippians 1 and 6. And thy word. You, you can't just hear it sitting in a service. To change what's down in your heart, you've got to meditate on it and hear it over and over. Right. And, and over and over. I've meditated certain scriptures 500 different times because I, I could see that it was God's truth, but it, something else had been put in my heart. If it's contrary to God's truth, what's it called if it's in your heart different? That's called a stronghold. And the weapons of our warfare are mighty. To pull down these strongholds. But I can't just show it to you in here. you got to meditate that. you got to chew on it to, to get it down inside of you. And all of a sudden, it'll change the way you feel it. You'll just know down in your knower. We've got to get this truth down into our hearts. You do that by meditation. Romans uh, chapter 8, we're going to look at something here. All righty. Now, let me tell you something. Since the day I got saved, I've always wanted to be like Jesus. Amen. I, 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 want, I love the beauty of Jesus. Do y'all, do y'all like Jesus? Even if you hate religion, if you hate me, if you hate church, if you hate it, nobody can ever say Jesus is nasty. Even the governor who tried him said, I find no fault in this man. Tell me anything about Jesus there's not to like. A totally selfless life, sacrificial. He was full of joy. He was full of hope, contrary to what his people look like. He was full of joy. He was full of hope. He was merciful. He forgave. He loved the most vile people. He, he spread hope everywhere. He, what is there not to like about Jesus? I have always admired him. Even before I followed him, I had to admit, that's one great guy right there. Yeah. I've always admired Jesus. Since I got saved, I wanted to be like him. You better try hard. I got you. No, you'll end up like a Pharisee if you try hard. My desire has been to be like Jesus. And uh, I want you to see, by the way, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. The goal is to become like Jesus. It's not just to go to church and be with our, our If your goal in life is not to become like Jesus, you and God can't work together because that's what he's doing. 
So we want to mesh our goals with him. We want, to, we want to synthesize our goals with what he's doing. All right, let's see what happens here. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans 8, 29 says this. And this goes back to some of what we looked at last week. For whom he foreknew. I mean, do you still believe that after last week? And maybe believe God knew you before time. Got that? Before time began, he saw you. He knew you. Whom he foreknew. He what? Here we are again. Predestined. How many of you know you were predestined before you were born? Does anybody here have a destiny? Everybody does. What's your destiny? My destiny is to be a great missionary. My destiny is to be a preacher. My destiny is... No, no, read it, read it. He predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God's goal for your life is not that you become like Jesus. Read it again. There's the word be in there. God's goal in there is to make you like Jesus. His goal, it says, not, not that I would conform myself, or does it say to be conformed? Listen, th- this is life and death. This is the difference in somebody who looks like Jesus and somebody who acts like a Pharisee. I think we all know what the goal is. The question is, how are we going to get there? I cannot conform myself to the image of Jesus. Does it say whom he predestined? He to be conformed. All right, follow it a little bit further to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the first of a bunch of us, that the Greek says a bunch of us. Verse 30, whom he predestined. How many of you are predestined? What did he do after he predestined you? What's the first thing he did after that? He called you. How many of you remember when he called you? He said, I never heard his voice in my life. Did it ever come into your heart to want to believe in Jesus? That was the call. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans 3. No one seeks after God. No, not one. If you have any desire to know anything about him, he's talking to you. John 6, 44. Nobody comes to me unless the father who sent me is working in their heart to draw them. It was on the, if you ever decided, I want to get saved, that was your call right there. God called. Already predestined you. He called you. Number three. There's four things. Number three. He called. Whom he called, these he also what? Justified. I told you the term is justification. On the moment you said, I am a sinner, I ask you to save me. Bam. Forever. Your sins were washed away. Your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. You're an eternal child of God. It can never be changed. One moment you were justified. It takes him one second to justify a terrible sinner. But we're not done yet. Let's go on next. See, we've been predestined. We've been called. Now we've been justified. Whom he justified, these he required to glorify themselves. Is that what it says? These he glorified. Who's responsible for my glorification? What's another word for glorification or glorify? Sanctification, perfection, just like Jesus. Do you see a word stand out in that verse? Is there one word that comes up over and over in there? Eight times is the word he. I don't see you in there nowhere except to just stand still and be cleansed. The, the mindset of I'm trying to be a Christian. You, you've never read these verses or they hadn't, get down in your, hadn't got down in your heart. He is the justifier. Only Jesus can save. He is the glorifier. Only God can glorify me. Only he can form me into the image of his dear son. I, I tell you, I just, I want to be, I want to, I want the humility of Jesus. I think Jesus is the humblest man that ever lived. His humility is beautiful. Well, if I try to be humble, guess what I end up being? An arrogant jerk is what I end up being. Religious is what I end up I can't do it. I cannot do it. He has no trouble doing it. He can justify and he can sanctify. All right? Follow with me here. Now, let me, let me teach you something here about the progression of life. Here we go. Romans chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8 are the progression of a believer's life. Uh, Romans chapters 1 through 4 are different. Chapter 9 breaks off in another direction. But here, here's Romans chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8. Here they are. Chapter, Romans chapter 5 is a true salvation. I got saved. Romans chapter 6 is, now that I'm saved, I got to live different. Yep. Got to have more than that. Okay, I, I have to keep reminding people that Right, Romans 6 is, now my life's got to change after I'm saved. Romans 7 is, okay, let's do it. Uh-oh, I'm having a problem doing what I was supposed to be doing. And Romans 8 is the breakthrough revelation into the spirit life. 
where he does for me what I can never do for myself. I want to look at a couple of verses in here. I want to turn to Roman. Listen, listen, for all your life, I want you to see that. Romans 5 through 8. I got saved. I found out things supposed to change. I tried it. Didn't go so well. He did it. It went great. That's the, here, let me, let me give you the Christian life in four words. Easy. First word's easy. It's, bro, I'm lost, brother Brian. I'm going to hell. I'm comparing. I don't, I don't want to go to hell. I'm, I don't want. What, what do I have to do? And I say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. And you say, God, be more to it than that. No, no. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, so you say what do you say? That's easy. I can believe in Jesus. All right, what's the next word? Romans 6. It's hard. Now that I'm saved, I'm finding out that I'm supposed to love my mother-in-law and I'd really like to slap her naked and it's, it's hard, but I'm trying to be nice. It's hard. All right, Romans chapter 7 is where you hit the wall and then the word becomes impossible. Oh, wretch, I can't do it. Now you could, now let me, there's, there's like a Romans 6b. Like we've got an American version of Christianity. Any fool can live that. Just show up at church on Sunday twice a year. All right. And then Romans chapter 8, here's the word, easy. Did Jesus not say my yoke is easy? See, this is the progression as we walk and as we progress, here it is. This is easy. Ooh, this is hard. No, it's not. This is impossible. I see now it's easy. Look with me in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 of true salvation. Read verse 1 with me. Therefore, having been justified by what? What's well, the only way to get right with God? Faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. How many of you have peace with God in here? Amen. Who gave it to you? Through Jesus. Got it by faith. There it is. That's it. Matter of fact, let's, I'll, I'll, you probably love these verses too. Look with me in verse 19. Verse 19. By one man's sin, disobedience, many were made sinners. How many of you, Adam, had an effect on your life? Adam's disobedience made me a sinner. All right. So by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. Who are the two men that have had the greatest effect in your life? Adam made you a sinner. Jesus made you righteous. Amen. By his sin, I was made a sinner. By Christ's sacrifice, I've been made righteous. Here's the revelation of it. Moreover, verse 20, the law entered that he offense might abound. Where my sin abounded, grace abounded much more. My sin was great. His kindness is greater. Not just greater, much greater. So what, what is Romans 5? That, that's my a true salvation by the grace of God. He has saved me and blessed me. All right, let's turn to Romans 6. I want you to see something in Romans chapter 6. All right, so here, so, all right I just got saved. I think I told you all about it. I got saved. I was rough and got saved. The, the day you get saved, uh, we, everybody asks this question the day after you get saved. Here it is, verse 1. What do we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? All right, I got, I got saved. Saved by grace. Well, praise God, I'm saved. I'm trusting God. Do, do I need to keep sinning so I can have more grace? No. Somebody take a wild guess at what the answer is going to be. <laughs> What's verse 2 say? God forbid. God forbid. I don't get saved from a life of hell raising and meanness and self-centeredness and ugliness and wake up the next time saved. Let me be uglier so I can have more grace. No. That's not the way it works, Doc. Your wife's going to slap you naked. You don't change. The deal is you... Erase that. The deal is you... you <laughs> the question is asked, if it's by grace... Let's sin more. If my sin brought grace, let me sin some more. And maybe know there's something wrong with that. He says, God forbid. Uh, verse 2, certainly not. King, old King James, God forbid. How shall we die to sin live any longer in it? He said, no, 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 no. That's, we don't want to do that. Look at verse 14 with me. Sin shall not have power over you. You're not under the law. You're under grace. But can you see, if you go all through Romans 16, it just says this. Now that you have gotten saved, you should change. Don't change yourself. I think everybody agrees with that. Okay, so he says, okay, okay, I got the mail. All right, I got saved by grace. Praise God, I'm saved by grace. But I don't want to sin more so more grace will come because that great verse in there says, if you keep sinning, you will suffer. The wages of sin is pain, death, broken marriages, broken hearts, destroyed futures. Okay, I'm saved by grace, but I can't keep sinning because I'll suffer if I do. Don't lose my salvation. Okay, okay, I need to live a different life. I got, I got to follow Jesus now. And so he, let me tell you what happens between chapter 6 and 7. He says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to live this Christian life. I'm going to be nice to people. 
I'm going to invite my mother-in-law to move in with us. You better, you better get perfected first. You just, you can, I can do it. You know, this is the, Romans 7. He's going to do it. And so he decides he's going to live the Christian life. Guess what he finds out when he decides that he's going to be a good Christian? Has anybody here ever tried to do right and ran into a little bit of a road bump? That's Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 says, well, I don't know why I'm telling you. He wrote it down better than I say it. Romans 7, here's the struggle. We call that Romans chapter 7 is the struggle. See if you relate with this, verse 15. What I am doing, I do not understand. What I will to do, I do not practice. What I hate, I do. You ever been there? You say, Brother Brian, I have, but I don't want anybody to know, so I'm not going to nod my head. Everybody's been there. I'm a saved man. I'm born again. And, uh, and I know that, you know, I don't want to cuss people out no more. I don't want to be hateful. I want to be nice to people. I want to smile. And so I try to do right. And I run into a wall. And what I don't want to do, I end up doing. I think I told you, I've been saved just a few days. and put me on a church softball team. I knew right after, I had enough sense to know, even young, don't cuss on the church softball field. I knew that. I did not go out there and get out of my truck that day saying, I'm going to cuss them all out. I wanted to do right, but something happened in the sixth inning. And I ended up putting a cussing on somebody. I mean, not a, you know, not a New York bar cussing, just a Baptist cussing, sort of, sort of minor cussing. I didn't mean to do that. Guess what I found out? I, I found out it might be a little tougher than I thought it'd be. We've all been there. I mean, this is why this is written. Everybody's been there. Some people have said that Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 is Paul the Apostle's autobiography. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think he's just writing it in the third person to help you and me. Either way, it's God's word, all right? So he runs into this wall. Let's read a few verses, verse 18. See if you can relate to this. I know in me that is in my flesh. Now, what's flesh mean here? Now, listen, the word flesh has two meanings in the Bible. Sometimes it's referring to the deeds of the flesh, which are hatred, anger, lust, selfishness. But this word flesh means human ability. You always got to, we translate them flesh, flesh, but they're different words. One is the ugly side of me, the other is self-effort, human effort. And this word is self-effort or human ability. And the Bible says this. Let's read it again, verse 18. In me that is in my own ability, nothing good dwells. To will is present with me. Would you agree with me? I want to do right. How to pull it off, I can't figure it out. I want to do right. I want to be like Jesus, but I can't figure out how to do it. Verse 19. The good I want to do... I do not do the evil I don't want to do that I practice. I've asked people that were doing so good. Why did you get drunk again and act like a fool? And guess what they say? They always say the same thing. It must be a conspiracy. What do they always say? I don't know. Some like blame it on the devil. I don't even, I said, get him out of here. You know what they always say? I don't know. Brother Brown, I was doing, I don't know what happened that night. What does this say right here? What I don't want to do, dang, dang, is I put dang in there. Dang if I don't do it. And then maybe it's not drunkenness for you. Just, you know, lust, selfishness, a pick. Just pay your money, pick your choice. I didn't want to do this, and I don't know why I did it. Can you see that? What do we got here? We got a struggle. We got a struggle for the believer who wants to live Jesus, but finds out this ain't going, it's going to be harder than I thought it was. I'll never forget the years 1983. I'm sitting on the front porch of a little house down in Solar City. A lady went to my church. Her children went to my church, and I'd been to see her mother. The lady had cancer, and, I, and her mother was helping. So I went to visit her mother at her house one day. She was a nice lady, older lady. She was 65 years old. And I sat down, and I talked to her, and I said, you're such a nice lady. I said, you don't, you don't steal nobody's husband. You're too old. I said, you don't steal nobody's car. You don't, you don't shoot people. You're a nice lady. Why won't you accept Jesus as your Savior? Why won't you put your faith in Jesus? And she said to me, I'll never forget, I'm sitting there in a chair. She's rocking on the front porch swing. She said, preacher, she liked me. She said, preacher, which is a rarity. She said, preacher, I'm not ready yet. And I'll never forget it. She said, but I'll tell you one thing, preacher. When old Martha decides to follow Jesus, I'm going to show them how to do it. I ain't going to be no hypocrite. Mm. I remember thinking, well, it's not a good time for me to be telling you. That ain't going to work for you even get you on the boat. Mm. But you know, I just remember thinking, You'll find out what the rest of us. See, she thought, if I become a Christian, I can do it. I can live this thing. 
She's going to find out what everybody else found out. I thought I could till I got to trying to do it. And she never would. She never would. She said, don't quit coming back. She said, one of these days, I'm going to accept it. She never did. And then she got Alzheimer's where she wasn't able. Let me tell you something. Satan will never tell you not to get saved. He wouldn't dare say that. He'll just say, not today. Just, just wait, wait. Not, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. Listen to me. Now is the day of salvation. And, uh, but see, people think, I can do this. That's where, that's where criticism and judgmental spirit comes from. People look down and say, how could they do that? You better be careful. Yeah. Guess who the next one going to be? Yeah. Yeah. That thing going to bite you. Let me tell you something. Apart from him, I can do nothing. We've got to get Jesus back in his proper place. All right, I'm sorry, I got off track there. Verse 19, the good I want to do, I don't do. Verse 20, he said this. If I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer me doing it. It's sin in me. Right, verse 21, I find a law. Here's the law. You know what law means here? Not like don't speed. I find a principle. I find a principle. Here it is. I find a principle. Evil is present with me, the one who wishes to do good. You ever found that principle in your life? I want to do right, but there's something else inside of me. There's something there that is just not good. Did you see, did you see what's going on here? Romans 5, this man gets saved in revival. Praise God. Romans 6, he goes to work the next day, says, I'm going to be a different person. And Romans 7, Thursday. <laughs> Thursday hits. He has lost his temper at the boss. He's lusting after the secretary. He wants to go. He wants to steal from the company. And he's looking back saying, actually, he's not looking back saying, somebody's in his ear saying, you sure you really got saved? That man is saved, saved, saved. You say, how can a saved man act like that? What does the Bible say right here? Saved people can do anything the devil can do. He's caught He's in this place of, I'm saved, I want to do right, but I just, I'm struggling. And uh, let me show you the proof. Here's the proof. Look down with me. Uh, let's look in verse, here's the truth, verse 22. I delight in the law of God according to my inner man. Bingo. Friend, if you're born again, there is something inside of you that wants to do right. You know, I, I delight in God's way down in my heart. If you... Listen, if, you, if it doesn't matter to you, you can cuss people, hate people, steal money, and that don't bother you, you're, you're lost. You're as lost as a ball in high weeds. You're lost as a goose in a snowstorm. You, you're, not, you're out of here, Doc. Every born-again believer delights in the law of God in his inner man. That inner man means heart. Every born-again believer wants it to be this way. Guess why? Because the moment you got saved, Hebrews 8 says he wrote his law in your heart. The law of love is written in your heart. That you can be mean as a devil. And the moment you get saved in your heart, your heart has changed. But this other stuff didn't change. He said in verse 2, he said, I, I delight and I really in my heart of hearts want to do right. I really want to be like, I want to live like Jesus lived. Verse 23. Verse 24. Excuse me, verse 23. But I see another principle more in my members warring against the law of my mind. What do we got now? Got a tug of war on the inside. Is anybody here can testify sometimes as a tug of war? You get tempted on one hand and it looks so good you could taste it. And something inside of you going, no, that's not right. That's not right. You ever been there where you're in that tug of war between them two? Well, here he is. And he's caught in the middle right there, warring against the law of mind, bringing me into bondage. You believe a believer can be in bondage. Captivity means bondage. You think a believer can be in bondage. How can preachers get addicted to pornography? You say they're not, they're, not, they're not saved. Yes, they are. Sure they are. Do you not understand that you can, there's a bondage to sin? I'm stunned at the numbers from Focus on the Family, the percentage of preachers that are addicted to pornography. They hate it. They're ashamed of it. They're saved. You say, well, what's wrong here? We're well, fixing to find out. And uh, you see the tug of war on the inside. And he's caught in this thing, verse 23, in my members. Now, now, I want you to watch these words right here. Oh, wretched man that I am. What's the right word? Now, we don't use the word wretched. <laughs> Our word for the Greek word there is miserable. A believer who lets sin rule in his life is going to be the miserable, most miserable human being on the earth. Yeah. Now, I know people, they can steal from old ladies, steal their money. They can, they can cheat on their wives they can lie and they're doing just they're fine doesn't bother them a bit guess why they're not saved the law of god's not written in their heart but you take a believer 
The law of God's written in your heart and you begin to transgress that law, you're going to be as miserable as the Presbyterians at 945 if they won't let you out. It's terrible. What did, how many of you think King David was a child of God? Why do you think he said, restore to me the joy of your salvation? Yeah, listen, sin makes a believer. Listen, what is the proof? What is the proof that I'm saved? It's not because I got a sticker on my car. Hebrews says this. Any man that is without chastisement is illegitimate. If I, here's how I know I'm saved. I can't get away with nothing. I, if I talk ugly to somebody, something down here bothers me. Guess what that is? That is the law of God, spirit of God in my heart. And, and, and you just, if you get in the bondage of sin, I, I mentioned addicted to pornography, you become hateful, self-centered, gossip. I'm running out of stuff to say about y'all tonight. All this stuff. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be, what do you say? I'm just wretched. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I want this faith life to work. It's not working. And now I'm miserable. Who's the most miserable? The most miserable person on the planet is not a child of the devil. It's a child of God who's living like the devil. God, that was good. That was really good right there. We should do, do that thing, you know, where you put that in parentheses on there or whatever. Oh, wretched man that I am. Can you see where the, all right, remember, he got saved in chapter five. Found out we got to change our lives in chapter six. He meant well. He took off in chapter seven. Where's he at now? He is, he's at the wall. He's miserable. Wretched man that I am. Let's read the rest of that verse. Oh, wretched man that I am. Now watch this. Who will deliver me from this body of death? You know what that is? Right there at that place in that verse is where a lot of people give up on Christianity. Uh, this ain't working for me. What do you say? I can't make this work. I can't do it. The, he just hit the wall because he was trying. And, you know, maybe you go to revival and the preacher preaches hard and you go to the altar and you cry. You're going to try one more time. Not this guy. He finally says, I can't do it. I'm done. And he's hit the wall. Praise God. This is a great place to be. Because you, you can't see the next until you get to this one. Let me make an announcement. Eight follows seven. You can't get to Romans chapter eight till you go through Romans seven. You got to go through five. You got to get saved. You got to go through six. I can't live like the devil no more. You got to go through seven where you do your best. Do your best. And then you hit the wall at the end of verse seven. You, listen, you're just a few verses from surprise. Chapter eight. And he, he hits the wall there just... I want you to see, see if you can see a difference. It is between these two verses, between verses 24 and 25, something happens. Let's read verse 24. I am miserable, wretched man that I am. Who can help me? Who can deliver me from this sin in my life, this body of death? See if you see a change, verse 25. Thank God. Thank God. He's not wretched anymore, is he? You start verse 25. You got something happened between them verses. When you, you, one minute you're miserable, quitting. Next minute you're going, praise God. <laughs> praise God. Thank God. What's the answer? Through Jesus. Same, he, just, he just got the revelation. Yeah. Same Jesus that saved you's got to live it in you. Yeah. Now, I want you to look with me something very careful. This is, this, is, this is life or death for the believer right here. Look in verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, what will deliver me? If you're still in the what category... Does it say what or does it say who? Dear ones, there is no what that can set you free. That's right. I, I told you, one of the dumbest, I just see dumb things in my line of work. Not people things. I told you, I was at the uh, men's conference and I, well, I had it, I was watching. And this guy said, you know, a lot of men struggle with lust. There's nothing wrong struggling with lust. I understand now women struggle with it too. I used to tell the boys, watch out for the girls. They, I mean, the girls, watch out for them boys. I said, hey, boys, heck, you better look out for the girls now. And the men struggle with lust. And this guy said, you know, you, you, gotta, you, you, you can't give in. you got to do something. And his recommendation was get a big, heavy rubber band, put it on your arm. And when you lust, just pull it out and pow, pop it. You're just going to lust with a sore wrist. That doesn't, the problem's not in your wrist, doc. Cold showers just make you cold and nasty. That's not going to deliver you. All the, the what's, the what's we do to try to, you know, when your mother-in-law says something stupid, count to 10. Count to 10 million, it ain't going to change your heart. <laughs> it's not a what do we do. That's Why do we keep trying these what's? Yeah. I'll move to Florida. You're taking your problem with you. <laughs> that ain't going to work. Look with me in that verse again. It's not a what, it's a who. Yeah. I tried to save myself. It didn't work. I finally called on Jesus. Amen. I tried to live this life. It didn't work. I finally called on Jesus. 
Who can deliver me from the power of sin? Who can set me free from the gossip? Who can set me free from the prejudice, the stinking attitude, the selfishness, the ugly to my wife? It's not a what, it's a who. Can you see the revelation there? Who can deliver me from this body of death? Thank God Jesus can do it. Jesus can do it. All right, this is the great, here's the great revelation in the order. All of a sudden, this man is broken. I tell you, you know what he did? He got to the end of his rope. I don't pray for you to make it. I pray for you to get the end of your rope just as fast as you can. Because Ken Hills wrote a great song. (laughs) He said, God's got his office at the end of your rope. And there's a sign on the door, and the door says hope. And you, you, as long as you, if this word is in your vocabulary, you, you're not at the end of your regret, trying. If you're still trying to live the Christian life, you just keep trying. Mind if I stand back and watch? And remember, we're not going to settle for that watered down American version where you can cuss once in a while and be hateful because, you know, everybody's got a problem. We ain't going to go that stuff. I want to be like Jesus. Right. Our goal is Jesus. All right, let me give you another picture of this. I told you when I was in school, took a lifeguard in school because I wanted to sit on a chair and stare at girls instead of hammering nails and carrying bricks all summer. Yeah. Seemed like a no-brainer to me. But I'm in lifeguard school, and here's what they te- that's the main thing they teach you. If somebody's drowning, don't go out there and get them. And I thought, what are we here for? He said, if, if you try to help them while they still got strength and they're kicking, and you try to grab them, they'll drown the both of you. You just swim out there toward them, stay back where they can't reach you, and you just tread water and stay till they run completely out of gas and out of energy. And then when they run out of gas, start to go under, you just cradle them, bring them back to shore, save them. I heard that. I said, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. That's faith, right? That's the Christian life right there. You're trying to do better and trying. Holy Spirit just stands back. So I ain't getting there. You killed the both of us. <laughs> but he just stands there. God does not help those who help themselves. I'm sorry, Grandma. God helps those who are broken. At the end of their rope, they've tried and they've died. And the Holy Spirit just stands back and loving you, smiling. The perfecter stands there. And when you go, with brokenness, I just can't do it. He says, you called. <laughs> oh, wretched man, I can't do this. And all of a sudden you get this glorious revelation I've been waiting on you to say that. You thought I I was demanding that you mature. I promised you you could mature. You don't do it, I do it. And what a glorious, oh, it's just glorious, glorious revelation. I've got to hustle. Listen, right after that, then what follows, what number follows seven? Okay, then Romans 8 comes, which is the revelation of the Spirit-empowered life. You don't do it. He does it. And I just want to touch on two verses and three verses here. Maybe it was just two. Maybe, I don't know. Hang with me a minute. And, and, and what you're going to see right here is that when you get that revelation, I can't do it. The Holy Spirit can. For every day of your life, you've got to make a decision. You have a choice. I will live this life in my strength or I'll live it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Read that with me in Romans 1, 8, 1. Have you ever heard this? There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You ever heard that? Do not quote that and stop right there. There's a, there's a, there's a tag, there's a, a, what do you call it? Condition. There's a condition. It's like you come back from the Dodge place and say, that guy told me he'd give me a new truck. And I say, that's nice. Go back up and ask him if there's anything else to it. You come back sad and say, I have to give him $800 a month for 20 years. I didn't hear that part. There's a condition to this. Here's a condition. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Watch these words. Who do not live according to their own strength, the flesh, their own power, but according to the Spirit of God. Can you see right there that every day of your life, every moment of your life, you have a choice. You're going to do it in your power, your ability, your strength, or you're going to have the power of God in your life to do it. Tell me, remember, anytime you hear this, Anytime you feel condemned, put down, that is a revelation to you that somehow you've swapped back into your own strength. There's no condemnation. If I'm dependent on Jesus, don't criticize him in front of me. Holy Spirit, I mean, excuse me, the enemy in my soul says, you're not doing a very good job there. And I said, take it up with the one who's perfecting me. I'm not trying to perfect myself anyway. I'm trusting him. I mean, you just take the stick out of his hand when you don't do anything but trust Jesus. But people, the Christians, I, I meet Christians all the time. I'm not a very good. I'm, I should be a better Christian. 
I walked into church one day, sat down beside a lady who was waiting on it to open. And I said, you go to church here? She said, well, not as much as I should. <laughs> I knew she felt condemned. I wasn't examining her. I'm not a judge. I, I tried. I said, well, isn't, isn't it good to go just because you want to? She said, yeah, but I don't want too much either. I said, there was a, if there's condemnation, you hadn't got the revelation yet. You've slipped back. You can slip back under the law. All right, here's two great promises. I want you to remember these two great promises the rest of your life. All right, can you see the choice? I can either live it in my strength or his spirit. And uh, here's the promise, the promise of perfection. Verse two, the power of the Holy Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the power of sin and its consequences. Amen. What a promise. Yes. I don't see where you overcame sin. Right. I see where the power of the Holy Spirit sets you free. I do and say you're struggling with a temper. When I was young, I had somewhat of a temper. Got a fuse about a quarter of an inch long. And uh, I got saved. Guess what I found when I got saved? He saved my heart, but not my temper. And I still did Roman candle regular. And uh, I knew it wasn't right. I knew when I went off on people after I was saved as a young man, this is not right. Something, something down here bothered me. It's just proof that I'm saved. And so I said, okay, I'm not going to get upset anymore. We're doing this. Oh, you know what that did, didn't you? That packed another load in it when it did happen. Tea kettle effect. You, you know what? Listen, listen to me. Try, don't try to lose your temper no more. You telling a duck not to quack. A dog not to bark. You know, baby not to barf. That ain't good. And I find you, it's just, you're so, you just, you're not trying to impress people. You really want to live this thing. And I found out as a young man, my temper was still explosive. I mean, I had a bad temper. My temper was explosive. After I got saved, it was still there. You know, there's days where it went pretty good if you didn't do something really stupid. <laughs> oh, you know what I found out? The power of the Holy Spirit can just take it all away. Right. Just no credit. I didn't do nothing except realize you can't do this, but he can. My friend Tim Britt, he's a pastor here. He tried to quit smoking for 105 years. And he could quit for an hour and a half. And he tried and he tried this. He tried that, tried everything. I'll never forget. He told me, he said one morning, he said, it was a detective, I think. No, maybe it was, wasn't that. He said, I got up. I'm looking in the mirror that morning. I looked at them cigarettes and I just said, I'm never going to try to quit again. He said, dear Lord Jesus, I just can't do it. I can't do it. If you don't help me, I'm going to die from them things. He's never touched one since. See, that is the beauty of Christ. Religion beats you up. Christ raises you up. Amen. But can you see the Can you see in verse two, there's a promise that the power of the Holy Spirit can set you free? You say, I, I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it. Just believe it. Just believe it can set you free from the power of sin and death. You say, I don't have that temper problem. Well, the way you just said that to me, maybe we should work on your pride. <laughs> we all got our different junk. Amen. But what, Jesus doesn't want you to quit doing that. Jesus wants you to come to him and say, watch what I can do. Watch what I can do by my spirit. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, just, he can just take it away. He's re God's really good at this stuff, y'all. Thought you needed to know that. All right, there's another side. Of it. Now, I say, I want to get the junk out of my life, but that's not like Jesus. I want the good stuff to be in there too. I don't want to just quit cussing people. I want to be nice to them. I don't want to just quit cussing. I want to smile. All right, watch this. Here's the other promise. Verse four says this. The righteous requirement of the law might what? Be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to our own ability, but according to the Spirit. What do you promise right there? The same Holy Spirit that can take the meanness and the sin out of you, He can do the good stuff through you too. Amen. How many you say, Brother Brian, I can fulfill the entire law. Everything He wants, I can do it. How many of you would say that? What does it say right there? Who does it? It is fulfilled in you. All right, how many of you know what the righteous requirement of the law is? All 610 precepts. Y'all know what they are? Listen to me. This is good news. The law requires one thing. Only one. How about if I reduce it all down to one law? Turn a few pages to the right to Romans 13. Said, you, know, you know what we heard right there? What does my heavenly father want me to stop doing? That's getting the sin out. 
But what does he want me to start doing? That's the righteous requirement of the law. That's what he wants me to do. He wants to get the hatred out of my life. And he wants to get the good stuff in. Well, there was the righteous requirement of the whole law. It boils down to one thing in Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. What's the only thing I owe you? I just want to love people. Everything is hinged on this. For he who loves another has what? You love people, you've done everything God asks. You have fulfilled the entire law. You say, I thought I had to help them when their tires flattened and all this other stuff. No, you, you just love people. You will fulfill the entire law. Verse 9, the commandments. And here's some commandments. You shall not commit adultery. I didn't know if that was still in the top 10 or not. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't talk on the internet. Quit wishing you got what somebody else has got. If there's any other commandment in there, some, they're, all, they're all synthesized into one commandment. Love people. There was every commandment is synthesized into one saying. Love people. You, you don't have to worry about stealing, killing, lying. Just one thing. Be like Jesus. Love people. It's synthesized. And what's these words? Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the entire law. That's it. Now, all right, so I'm going to love people. I don't have to worry about all that stuff. You know, if I love you, I'm not going to steal your truck. Your wife. These are all in the list, trust me. I'm not going to steal your reputation by the things I say about you. I'm not going to do that stuff. So I don't, but I don't need to try to do that. Guess, guess what would really, you know, it would really be nice. What if this would happen right here? What if the very love of God were poured out into my heart by the Holy Spirit? What if the love of God came right in here and I no longer wanted to do any of that stuff and all I wanted to do was care for you? This is called the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what this is called? The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. God will finish what he started in me. And this is that great revelation of of this, this wonderful life here. Here's the revelation. The one who saved me can perfect me. Amen. The one who saved me must perfect me. Mm-hmm. When I meet, I, I, I don't, oh, I'm in trouble anyway. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Mm-hmm. I came up in a camp of certain type of people and they were hard on people and they were demanding and they lived by the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. The law will break you. That's right. You live trying to remember not to do this. It'll break. I'm telling you, the law will break you. Jesus is not the letter of the law. Jesus is the spirit of the law. Yeah. And it'll break you. And I asked one one day. They were mean too. Religion make you mean. And I asked him, I said, how come is it? Matter of fact, he he was from this area. I wasn't even living here. It was from this area. I said, how come is it every time a preacher gets caught in a hotel room with somebody he's not married to? How come it's one out of our group? I didn't mean the three of us. I meant, (laughs) how come it's the fundamental Bible believing hard line. Why are they the ones getting, why don't the liberal Episcopalians get caught in a hotel? I've never heard them getting caught. Why is it that it's the fundamentalists get caught in a hotel every single time? And uh, he said, because the devil's really after us because we got the truth. I thought you are dumb as a brick. You're dumb as a brick. You're dumb as a brick because the law stirs the passion. The law can't set you free from a hotel room. The Holy Spirit has no trouble because love has to supersede the law. All right. Now let me, I do need to do a disclaimer. I'm not saying that if you're in traffic and something happens and you get a little agitated, Oh, I'm I'm lost. I'm going to, no, 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 no. I'm not saying you shouldn't just say, I'll keep my mouth shut. I don't mean you just go, I'm going to cuss him out and make him come through. That's not what I mean at all. It is good to resist, but I'm going to tell you something. When, when crunch comes to crunch, the power of God's got to be there. Right. Got to have the touch of God on our lives. And, and he, he can sure do that. All right. Now you say, well, Brother Brian, do I not have any part to play in it? Uh-huh. 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 This, is, this is just crazy to people when I tell them this. Quit trying to be a Christian. Here's what the Bible says. Here's your part. Number one. Put no confidence in the flesh. This is, oh, I love this. This is Philippians chapter two. And the Bible says this, I mean three. 
The Bible says this, we are the true followers of God who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in our flesh. I don't, I, don't, I don't trust myself for nothing. I'm not dependent on me to do anything. Quit, listen, and I'm going to say it another way. Quit thinking you can do it. Quit putting confidence in your own ability. Number two, believe the man. Believe the man when he says he can do it. He can do this. Jesus can be Jesus. Matter of fact, let me make an announcement. Jesus is the only person that can be Jesus. He's it. Turn, let me show you this. I'll throw in this for free. We got real quick. Turn quick. Galatians chapter two. Think quick while I speak quick. Galatians two. Here, here. Oh, what a revelation. Galatians chapter two. This is the, this is how I, this is how I walk it out on a daily basis. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, two twenty. Galatians two twenty. I have been crucified with Christ. Amen. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives inside of me. And the life which I now live in my body, I live by trying real hard. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the next verse says, I do not push aside the grace of God. Can you see where that man's not living his life in self-effort? He's living his life depending on Jesus to come through. I won't look at it, but Colossians 1.27, that great verse, Christ in you is the hope of glory. If you're going to have a glorious, wonderful life, it's not going to be because you try. It's going to be because Jesus did it on the inside. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now, let me throw this one out here. We won't look at it either, but if you write it down, look it up later. Colossians 2.6 says this, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so live ye in him. Amen. Let me ask you a question about that. How did you receive Jesus? Did you come up to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, <clears throat> I want you to watch and I'm going to save myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe you received Jesus like that. How many of you received Jesus by saying, Lord Jesus, if you'll save half of me, I'll save the other half. That's not how you got saved. We call people like that lost. How'd you receive Jesus? How about this? Just as I am. Without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. You come in humility saying, if you don't save me, I'm going to hell. Now how you got saved? Isn't that how you received him? Listen to this. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, won't you live it that way? Get up every day of your life. Don't say, Lord Jesus, watch me. I'm going to do good today. <laughs> Lord Jesus, you, you, you 50%, I do 50%. Just get up every morning of your life and say, just as I am. If you don't come through today, I'm going to be cussing somebody out by dark. <laughs> say it to him. Tell them I need to, somebody should write a song like this. I need thee every hour. Just, just tell him, I got to have you. I, I had a friend of mine. I love this man. He, he was so sweet. Is uh, he wrote a song one time and he sang, you might have heard it before. I can't even walk without you holding my hand. God, what a, what a, what a confession of faith. Live like that. Quit trusting in yourself, trust in Jesus. And I want to throw in one more. We're going to quit with this last verse and last thought. If you want to be like the man, you need to hang around the man. Yes, that's good. If you want to be around the man, you've got to hang around the man. How many of you believe there's a law in, in all relationships called the law of close communion. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of the law of close communion? Well, here it is. You're going to become like who you hang around. Yep. Kids say to me, well, you can't judge me by who I hang around. I'm telling you where you headed, bozo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let, me, let me show you. Let me just quote to you that law in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15 says, says this, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. What's, what's that? That's the law of close communion. You hang around, you become like them. Right, let me show you the law of communion, close communion in faith. One more scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I read this and I said, well, I read this after years of trying and being condemned and beat up by religious people. I read 2 Corinthians 3 and I said, when did you put this in here? It had to have been new. Nobody in my circle knew it. Oh, listen, man, what a treasure the word of God is to show us these wonderful truths all right, I want to, this, this is cool. This is ice cool. 2 Corinthians 3. I'm going to throw in two verses here. Verse 17. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I want to make an announcement. Wherever Jesus is, there's freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from religion. Freedom from what religious people think about you. Freedom from what you, it's just freedom. Wherever the Spirit of God is, there's pure liberty. Now watch the formula here. Watch the blessing. Verse 18. We all with unveiled face Beholding as in a glass, a, a 
polished glass, I mean, excuse me, a frosted glass, the beauty of the Lord are being changed into the same image. Once again, do I change myself or does he do it? What's the tense right there? He does it. From glory to glory. Could y'all just relax a little bit? Why do you think you have to be perfect tomorrow? What does he say there? Listen, our father is right on schedule. You say, Brother Brian, once time I get this thought in my mind, you've been a Christian 47 years, been preaching 40 years, you ain't got it right yet. I just say, go to hell. Go back to hell where you came from. Take it up with the head perfecter if you don't think he's moving fast enough. God, it's good. Do you know how arrogant I would be if he'd have perfected me in a day? A week? You say, I think you're moving too slow. You ain't the head perfecter and you don't owe me. You don't own me. He's perf- he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. The Lord will perfect that. But listen to me, it's from glory to glory. I have, I've never just gone pop, ever, much as I wanted to. I got so mad at a man one time, he was a drunk. And he said, the day I got saved, I went home, poured everything. My liquor kept down to drink. I never desired a drop since. I thought, you make me sick. <laughs> People like it just make me want to puke. The rest of us got it inch by inch by painful inch. I didn't say my temper disappeared one day. I said it got better one day. Then it got better, betterer the next day. The next time I had a conflict, it got betterer. I believe you could slap me now and it wouldn't bother me now. I wouldn't try it just yet, but... <laughs> But you just look back and you just, I can remember when I was critical of people because I, I got out of this sin and then I got into the Pharisee camp and I was judgmental. If you didn't meet my standards, I'd gun you down. If I didn't, if I didn't say it, I'd think it. And I realized one day God said, you're, you just make me sick with this stuff. You're like a hypocrite. This is a Pharisee spirit. Then my aunt told me too. <laughs> she said, I liked you better when you was lost. That's bad when somebody says that. I'm cleaning everybody's clock because they're not as holy as I am. And you know what? I just said, you're right. Help me. And I am stunned sometimes at how merciful over time I've become. I just, I look at people that are just pure jackasses. And instead of wanting to get on them, I just think, I used to be like that. God will help you. I'm the most merciful human being in the world now. Well, I did, that didn't happen in a day. So it took you long enough. Take it up with the perfecter. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what glory to glory means? Step by step by step. Listen to me. Get off your back and give him time. Yeah. Get off your back and give him time. And those people that was born perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Glory to glory. Watch these words. Last part. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Who's the only person that can form me to the image of Christ? What do you see in there? Let me, let me put it in language you can understand. You hang around Jesus, you'll become just like him without even trying. It is, the, it, is the, it is the law of close community. You just hang around Jesus, you'll become like him. You won't even have to try. Enjoy Jesus. You, listen, get in his word. Tell him to talk to you. Say, speak to me. Praise him. Live in his presence. Honor him. And... Without even trying, without even trying, it'll just, people will begin to notice. You know, I just see the difference in you. I've got, I got friends of mine. Well, we, there was a fellow, he's living free. He's not now, he's, he was there. And uh, his name's Damon. And my wife loves Damon. I think she likes Damon more than she does me. She knows he's a better Christian than I am. And he is the kindest, most, can I get a witness back there? Is that a good boy? He is the most gracious, gentle, loving, caring human being. I don't like to stand beside him much yet. I'm saying he's just like Jesus. That man is as much like Jesus as about anybody I know. But he used to be a drug addict living under a bridge, lost in sin. I guarantee he didn't get like that the day he crawled out of that bridge, but God has done something in that fellow's life. I see it in a lot of them guys out there. I see it in people here. But over time, over time, he just kept chasing Jesus. He didn't try. He just kept chasing Jesus and loving Jesus and hanging around Jesus. And I declare it, I, next time I see him, I'm going to walk up behind him and feel and see if he's got wings. <laughs> if it's either that or shoulder blades, I don't know what. He, I'm going to see if he's got wings. I declare, I believe he's close. Oh, this is, you know why they call it good news? It brings great joy. You got to quit cussing. You got to quit being ugly. You got to do more. That ain't good news. That brings great pain. 
You know what good news of great joy is? Son, I see you trying. You can't do it. Why don't you let me do for your life what I did for your soul? I saved you. I can do this. Come on with me. Just walk with me, son. Hang around here. Let me quit by saying this. God will perfect that which concerns you. He is the perfecter of our faith. He'll do it. And so instead of trying and being condemned, I can celebrate and say, he'll get me there one day. Mm. I want to make an announcement. We put a lot of emphasis on people being faithful. Mm. That first camp I was in, you got to be faithful. Faithful to God. Faithful. I talk like that all the time. Let me tell you what the bottom line of life is. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his dear son. He will get you there. He'll get you there. I thought up a great song the other day. I hadn't published it yet, <laughs> which means I'm lying. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars. He good. Sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars, how loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Here's the part I throwed in. And he's smiling the whole time too. I like this right here. The Lord is good, isn't he? Lord Jesus, I praise you. You've been sitting here with us tonight as we've been looking at your word. Pray for every person in this room. They go out of here. I've said a lot of stuff tonight, a lot of scriptures. I want them to go out of here with one thing in their hearts, quietly, joyfully, hopefully knowing the Lord will perfect me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. I thank you that my father is smiling on me. You didn't have to create me. You knew what I'd be like. You created me to love me and save me and perfect me, praise you and thank you and worship you. And I just want to make an announcement, Lord Jesus, taking a little longer than I thought, but contrary to what my, some of my brothers and sisters think, you're doing a fine job. You're doing a wonderful job. I love these folks out here. You're doing a fine job in them. I know where some of them came from. I know where all of us came from. You're doing a fine job. And I praise you that on the day we see you face to face, we will be perfect just like your son because of your goodness. I like this stuff. We give you all the praise and glory in the precious name of Jesus. We pray amen and amen.